0: Welcome to the Youth Ministry Training Podcast. Today, we'll be hearing from Michael Guerrera on the subject, Curriculum That Counts. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. It's Josh Carson with UPCI Youth Ministries, and we appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Hopefully, this podcast will be a blessing to you. We are doing our best to make a resource that is something that you can use. It'll be informational and inspirational. Uh, As you may or may not know, the podcast is underwritten by your incredible and sacrificial giving to Sheaves for Christ. We are only about a week away or so where we are going to be launching the 2019 SFC theme of treasure. Our campaign will officially begin. And so we encourage you to please help and give uh, towards this incredible cause for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we know that if you can show someone how you spend your time and how you spend your money, it's pretty obvious what your treasure really is. I want to thank Matthew Woodward and the incredible job that he does putting this podcast together. Appreciate the hard work of our executive team and always our speakers do such a dynamic job. We are certainly blessed in the United Pentecostal Church International with an incredible array of speakers that take the time to minister on this call. We are delighted tonight to have a long time Investor in young people. Brother Michael Guerrera has been in youth ministry for two decades, serving on the local, the district, even the national level. He is a longtime, in fact, writer of curriculum. He is a professional educator. Him and his wife and their uh, amazing four children are actually church planners. So you, you might not have ever had the chance, but I hope that you do get to meet Brother Michael Guerrera. This is a great leader and has been for quite sometime. I want us to pray before he speaks to us on a topic that is extremely dear to my heart. He's talking about curriculum and the importance of curriculum. Uh, The topic will just be called curriculum that counts, but you're going to find out very quickly that this is not only an educated man, but he is an educator and he will uh, take some time to share. And Michael, we're just delighted that you're on, but wherever you're at, Uh, Just take a moment and pray with me that God would be able to do something through this uh, session, through our time together, and be a blessing to you. Lord, I pray that you would touch every listener, regardless of where they're at in their role of leadership. Maybe they are a youth pastor, a youth worker. Maybe they're full-time or they're a volunteer. Uh, Maybe they're just getting into the ministry, or maybe they're seasoned. Regardless of where they're at, I pray that you would allow the words that are spoken on this podcast to really be effective in their life. Help something that is said, not only inspire, but let it also educate. I pray that your work would be accomplished as we are doing our very best to make this a vital tool. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. All right, my friend. Well, once again, we're delighted that you've taken time to be with us and to help us. So I want you just without any further ado, take it away and share with our listeners today about curriculum that really counts. Thank you so much, Brother Carson. I,
1: I really appreciate the invitation and thank you as well to Brother Rain King, Brother Thomas, the whole uh, UPCI youth ministry leadership team. Appreciate you brother, Matt Woodward, and your help as well. And and I appreciate everybody listening, particularly if you're teaching a youth Sunday school class, you're kind of the unsung heroes of Pentecost. Uh, the, the youth leaders and youth pastors are the ones that get celebrated, and sometimes the ones in the classroom aren't as uh, much in view. But what you do plays a vital role in the lives of your students. Um, This is a subject I'm I'm really passionate about and excited to talk about it. I, I believe the use of curriculum is vitally important in youth ministry. And the reason I believe that so strongly is that our goal is not just inspiration, but it's spiritual formation. When we think back on the greatest moments of our lives in church, the lion's share of our deepest spiritual experiences have been dynamic church services where uh, we've been inspired by preaching that's either convicted us or challenged us or transformed us. And I've I've grown up in, in, in church, I've grown up in, in the UPC, and I can share many moments, specific moments at summer camps and HYCs and NAYCs where, as a young person, just the whole course of my life was dramatically changed. But I also remember very vividly that question that kind of raged in the back of my mind at each one of those moments where, I kind of wondered, so what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I've just been challenged and inspired and my mind's really been open to the possibilities of what God can do through me. But what do I do with all this? And so a solid curriculum really helps to answer that question. It helps us as Bible teachers to move away from sermonizing to kind of focus on the foundation. To me, the question we're always wanting to answer is that, so what? What What do I do with this? And I know personally my life was changed in in powerful church services, but it was shaped in Sunday school classes and small group settings and uh, opportunities where teachers taught diligently from a curriculum that set up spiritual principles that kind of became the foundation for my life of of, godliness and ministering Christianity. So curriculum helps us a few ways. First, it keeps us focused, and, and it also keeps us practical. And most importantly, I think it gives us a systematic a systematic approach for discipleship of our students. And a systematic approach to discipleship is key. Uh, curriculum helps us plan. Because we all have this tendency when we talk to stick to subjects about which we're particularly passionate. Uh, but our students need more than that. They need a holistic approach that's going to give them a solid foundation for spiritual formation. So For example, our our church divided the, uh, my home church, uh, we divided the junior high group up uh, at the time into two classes. There was a 12 and 13 year olds and the 14 and 15 year olds. And my wife and I had that younger group. And so that meant that we had each of our students for two years. And in those two years, there were some things we knew when they come out of this class, they've got to have a foundation laid in these areas if they're going to be able to grow and develop and mature in their walk with God. And we outlined a, a handful of things. We wanted to make sure everybody that went through our class uh, understood prayer, healthy interpersonal relationships, experiencing and communicating the new birth, servanthood, integrity, how to study the Bible, basic principles of holiness, sharing their faith. And and so we, we looked at all that and said, OK, we uh, that gives us about three months per segment. And, and not all those subjects lasted three months. Most of them didn't. And, and that gave us flexibility, there's room in there to sermonize, there's room in there to have a fun day, a pizza party day or whatever, but it gave us this systematic approach that allowed us to set them up for spiritual progression when we pass them on to the next age group. Uh, so just as important though as, as using curriculum We have to use curriculum that works because let's face it, we've all been on both the teaching and receiving end of a lesson series that just didn't work, didn't help us, didn't bless us as a student or on the other side, maybe we've taught on prayer and no one was praying more. We taught on the new birth and no one was being born again. We taught on unity and no one got along. You've been there. You've done that. You've bought the t-shirt, I'm sure. So it's, it's not just about grabbing or, or writing a lesson series and going for it. We, we need to be wise in how we approach it. And so uh, there, there's a few things I think we can look for, key indicators that will tell us whether a particular lesson series is going to work for us. Uh, the first thing we need to look at is we need to set a clear objective for what we want the students to do and find something that matches their objective. Now Now, notice how I said that. I didn't say it's about what we want our students to know. Rather, our goal is what we want them to do, because as we all know from James, faith without works is dead. We know that we need to express our Christianity in real life actions, and that's what we're driving toward with our students is real life change. And so uh, more than sharing knowledge, we need to drive toward actual practice. It's great uh, if our students can regurgitate facts and information about the Bible and Uh, It'd be awesome if they can win a Bible trivia contest, but Christianity is so much more than Bible trivia. It's about what do I do with what I've received? And so uh, I found that it's best to state that in a single sentence, your objective for the curriculum, if you can state that in a single sentence. And in the learning community, we call that a terminal objective. It's that end zone, that end game. How do I know I've been successful in this curriculum? So it could be something like by the end of this series my goal is for my students to pray consistently 15 to 20 minutes a day. Or it could be by the end of the series, my goal is for my students to be better prepared to resist temptation to sin. And whatever uh, the, the series is geared on, you want to be able to state definitively in one sentence what you expect them to be able to do when you're done with the series. The next thing, and, and I think this is really key, and, and you know, there's differing opinions on this, but I think it's really key that if we're picking material off the shelf, we pick material that reflects our doctrine. Um, I think that's important because even a subject that's as universal to Christianity as servanthood, that can require a great deal of doctrine if we purchase something that doesn't line up with an apostolic hermeneutic. So oneness, Acts 2.38, holiness is so foundational to the New Testament church. It's such a big part of what we believe that were really hard pressed to find something that's that's really beneficial that comes from an outside perspective, unless we have the time and patience to rework large swaths of content. And I've done that before. Um, I've gotten something from uh, from other, other publishers, and you know, I, I just I put the extra time in that it took because I like the general outline of it. But it is going to require a significant more work if if you're not grabbing something that's apostolic off the shelf. Um, another thing uh, is we need to pick material that provides practical solutions it needs to have practical solutions often curriculum can be little more than than low energy sermonizing and i love sermonizing and there's a place for it in sunday school and small groups when the atmosphere is right but more often than not we need to answer again the what do i do with this question so if i'm teaching on prayer and my state of objective is i want to see my students pray 15 to 20 minutes a day if I'm preaching them a sermon on praying more or praying longer, That's is that really going to uh, do what we're needing it to do? Uh, I've got to show them maybe scriptural patterns on prayer, how to keep a personal prayer journal, how to pray specifically versus generally, how to use a prayer guide, and so on. And then we also need to pick material that engages our students. Um, studies vary on this, but the average attention span of a teenager in a classroom, depending on the study you're looking at, is somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, and I think it's probably closer to the 10. Uh, if you're taking much longer than that, you've lost them. Even if you're, they're still looking at you and they seem to be physically engaged, they could very well be mentally checked out. So you want to pick a curriculum that breaks up the lesson with activities and discussions and uh, and maybe some group work. In my opinion, if it gets them out of their seats and interacting with each other, that's the best possible thing you can do. And and all this is a reason I'm a big fan, particularly of Link247. Uh, I feel like that program really balances all these principles very well. Um now I, I like off-the-shelf curriculum. I use off-the-shelf curriculum often, uh, even as a curriculum writer, but I, I I also understand that there's sometimes there's something you're wanting to communicate and get across to your students that there's just nothing off the shelf for it. And and that's okay. And Writing a series can be intimidating, but it's all well within our grasp. So if we're if we're writing it from scratch, there's a a few things we need to understand about that, too. First of all, we got to go back to, again, stating your clear objective, that that terminal objective, the thing you want your student to be able to do. And then that's where you go when you're building your lesson. It's kind of you can consider it kind of your mission statement for your lesson series. If if a lesson doesn't line up with that quote-unquote mission statement of that series, then it really just doesn't fit. It may fit topically, but it doesn't fit with that series. So going back to that prayer example, let's say your objective is to see your students praying 15 to 20 minutes a day. What do they need to do to be able to do that? So you can brainstorm it, throw out ideas, and then kind of group them logically. The six question words is, is where I start when I'm writing a curriculum, the six question words. So if I'm writing it on prayer, I may ask what prayer is, why prayer is important, for whom they should pray, where they can pray effectively, when they should pray, and how they should pray, those six question words. Um, Second principle of writing is to go uh, what you call macro to micro with your lesson order. So you want to start at the 30,000 foot level and then begin to go deeper. And this will give your lessons a systematic and logical flow throughout the series. So in the prayer series that I'm exemplifying, your first lesson would probably be foundational background stuff on prayer, such as what prayer is and what prayer isn't. Um, You know, then you could probably uh, go from there to teach on uh, for whom we should pray. And the following week, maybe patterns and methods of prayer. Then the following week, perhaps you teach on tarrying and persisting in prayer. So uh, the third the third thing is to go foundational to practical in each lesson. I found it helps to open with an activity to kind of draw your audience in and get them interested in the subject. And then from there, teach on what they need to know, those foundational principles. And then from there, go to what they do with it. And then it's great to end the lesson with an activity that gives them a chance to actually practice it. So for example, when teaching on patterns of prayer, you may start with scriptural principles on how we should pray. And following that, maybe you go to the Lord's Prayer and you walk them through that practically and tell them what it means for them. And then perhaps you end the lesson by getting out a marker and a whiteboard and brainstorming with the students things they can actually pray along each step of the Lord's Prayer, specific things they can pray. And then the fourth thing is uh, we need to make it personal. You know your students best, so you know what's going to resonate with them and what's not. And, and this is a clear benefit of writing a series yourself. You can target more specifically Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big um, I'm not I'm not big in uh, you know as far as uh, I'm not a cool person and anybody who's ever known me knows I'm not a cool person Um, but we don't have to be cool and we don't have to use the the hippest teen culture to connect with them Uh, really they just want to know that what we're talking about connects with where they are in their life and so uh, Even when you're using off-the-shelf curriculum, don't be afraid to tweak it to where your students are living. So if you're teaching prayer in a junior high class, perhaps you want to focus on foundational principles of prayer to move them a step beyond, you know, childhood bedtime prayers and pre-meal rituals. If you're teaching high school, perhaps it's time to begin exploring corporate prayer and how they can pray with others and how to help others seek to receive the spirit. Maybe a hyphen class, you're teaching them how to start a prayer group or prayer ministry or, or how to open themselves up to the gifts of the spirit through prayer. And, and you just got to target for where your student's at. And, and then finally, although your goal may be to change negative behavior, and sometimes we do teach for that purpose, we want to make sure we always place the emphasis on the principles and on the positive behavior that you're trying to create. So one of the most successful series we ever taught was called Friendship Island, and it was it was on interpersonal communication. We wanted to see our students learn how to be a positive influence on others without being negatively influenced in the process. And in the series, we did an activity about the power of words, uh, where we passed around a paper doll and everyone in the class made uh, a statement. that was a negative statement that had been made on the, about them at some point in their life, and they ripped a piece of that doll off. And then we went backwards and had them make a positive statement and try to re- attach that piece to the paper doll they had ripped off. And obviously at the end, it was a mangled mess and we had demonstrated the power of words. And and we didn't have to uh, beat the kids up for the negative things they said or focus on that, that the, the principal was right there and they could see it. You know, another time we taught a series that went terribly, awfully awry. We were in our early 20s. We had just taken over the class. We really didn't know what we were doing, but we, we wanted to deal with um, rejecting the negative influences of our culture to embrace God's holiness. And the only problem was we focused way too hard on the negative influences of our world. we uh, we spent all this time on uh, music and song lyrics and certain artists and television specific television programs. These poor kids are squirming in their seats, and we spent forty minutes talking about what they shouldn't do and five minutes talking about what they should do. And we'd be better off teaching to what we wanted to see versus what we want to stop so at at the end of the day our, our goal is really simple we want to see our students become lifelong disciples of jesus christ that's our whole goal right is to see our students become lifelong disciples of jesus christ and so our teaching should provide a solid foundation and practical tools that set them up to be successful for that and they should have opportunities through our series to practice those tools in a safe environment in our classroom and ultimately, we should see spiritual formation begin to take shape in them because of that time that they've spent in our classrooms. So ho- hopefully, hopefully that helps us out. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Justin for any questions you may have.
2: Thanks so much, Brother Michael. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to gather these thoughts. And um you know, we we reached out to you to help us. You've you've been um, involved in writing several series, I believe, even for Link 247 and different youth weeks. And the way you explain things so clearly, um, those key indicators to to look for for lessons that work, the six question words. Just hearing it from that perspective really makes you stop and think about what kind of curriculum you're selecting. So thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to walk through several minutes here of some question and answer based on um, curriculum and the whole idea of, of planning and and looking at, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Um, when you're, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, making it personal and knowing your group. When you're using someone else's curriculum, what are maybe some tips or things you look for when you're trying to make it not just sound like you reading someone else's notes but what are what are things that you personally look for are there certain words that you that you know you're going to change because you don't normally say that word or sure. what are the first things you go to when you're when you're looking at what you would say off the shelf or or even something you know link 247 and you look and maybe that's not the flow of how you normally would teach just kind of talk through that a little bit if you don't mind sure great question
1: uh, i i think uh, one, one trap we can fall into if we are grabbing off shelf curriculum, particularly if it's a really good resource and we know it's a good resource is we kind of, uh, you know, maybe look it over the night before <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, it's great that we have that in a pinch if we need to, but you know, we really need to start um, Early in the week, just looking over it, combing over it, and you know you raised a great point. you know addiction uh, is important. so you're saying, okay, these these words are going to be kind of over our students' head or that's not the way we position things or talk about things, or you know maybe this is a word I need to define for my students and elaborate on. So, for example, as a church planner, you know I say the word anointing, and and a lot of people in my church don't even know what that means. <laughs> and so maybe I rewrite that in a practical way of of what anointing means instead of just using the word and moving on. Another thing I've found is I'll often replace illustrations with something I know is going to resonate more with my current student or maybe something that's that's uh, go- going on in the world right in that moment um, that, you know, sometimes you'll you'll have a, a example in a series. that's a little dated. You can use something more updated and current. Um, and, and, and I will at times rearrange the, the actual flow of the lesson too. So for example, in week two, four, seven, um, uh, you know, there's an activity at the beginning and an activity at the end. Sometimes I'll take that activity at the beginning and I'll put it in the middle of the lesson just to give my kids an additional mental break. Uh, or I may take, um, an activity at the end. If, if I feel the spirits moving a certain way and try to try to change that to be something more evangelistic. So, um, definitely preparation is the biggest part of that being comfortable, and familiar with your lesson. That way you're looking at the sheet of paper less and looking in the eyes of your students more.
2: Absolutely. I think that that's one of the powers of curriculum in that when you're planning and you're thinking ahead as a youth worker or a Sunday school teacher for this age group, is that if you know you're going to be talking about serving in two or three months and you see a great story, you know, uh, online or you see, something in the newspaper you hear about something then you can grab that article and keep that and already be prepared and not be searching on Saturday night before Sunday morning uh, absolutely for, for illustrations. What, what are maybe some other what are some of your favorite sources for illustrations? Everybody's always looking for a good story. Um, that, that illustration you talked about with the paper doll passing that around with the words, I mean, that was just like, you don't have to even, <laughs> I mean, that that's powerful in itself as people are trying to put that doll back together. That's incredible. We're, what are maybe some some of your favorite spots to find things?
1: Sure. Uh, so the internet's obviously a great resource. Mm-hmm. We're, all, we're all familiar with Googling. Uh, I, you would be surprised how many uh, times I, I reached back to my own Sunday school days and experience I had as a young person, just ask myself what did my teachers do that resonated with me, mm. and you know, they just regurgitated it, repackaged it in a way that's maybe more applicable to to our, our modern settings. Sometimes I use it verbatim. Uh, the paper doll illustration is a perfect example. Uh, I got that from my junior high class Sunday school teacher, and it just wow. it resonated with me so deeply. I said, well, I, I got to use this. Um, and, and then I'm, I believe I'm a big believer that our greatest and most underutilized resource as youth leaders is other youth leaders. And so I'll very often, you know, focus uh, apostolic student pastors on, on Facebook or uh, local youth workers events, things like that. I'll I'll just throw it out there. Hey, I'm teaching on this. Does anybody have a really great illustration for this or really great game or activity you've done around this subject? And you'll get often a a myriad of different ideas. Uh, There's a a website, uh, I believe it's called the source for YM.com. That's ran by Jonathan McKee. Uh, He's not uh, UPC, but um, he's got some really great illustrations and games on there as well. It's been another resource for me over the years.
2: Awesome. I I like that idea you're sharing about, you know, getting things just from life that you remember instantly when you talked about the power of words. My mind went back to when I was a teenager and one of our youth workers had bought a cow tongue and he pulled a giant cow tongue out of this five gallon bucket. And when I was a youth worker and I talked about the power of your words, I went and bought a cow tongue because (laughs) I wanted to do that. And I knew how much it stuck out to me even all these years later. So that's that's great. We just got to be aware, um, you know, of of those things. And obviously, we're all in this together. And so having a good network of friends, that's a great suggestion as well. Um, Absolutely. I know you talked a little bit about your favorite series that you that you've taught. Um, and, and, well, I'm just going to open the door for you here. Uh, this isn't, don't feel like you're bragging on yourself, but what is maybe the favorite, your favorite series that you've personally developed or that you've been involved in that, that you just really felt, man, God gave me this nugget of truth and this one really connected. Um, you spent some time on it and you just felt really rewarded that they got it and you saw some results from it. Just kind of share a success story with us.
1: Sure. well, the, 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 the friendship series we did was a, was a huge one for us. And just focusing on interpersonal relationships, junior hires um, are very awkward. They're very uncomfortable around each other. It uh, tends to be kind of a toxic subculture, a lot of uh, bullying. And, and that's something we really wanted to address is, wow, our, our junior high kids are going to school. They're being bullied. And because they're being bullied, they're bullying each other. And we've got to find a way to get in front of that. And and get them interacting in a way that's healthy. And so we we uh, we we spent a, a lesson that was talking about uh, interacting with each other and communicating with each other in the church. And uh, a lesson on the power of our words. And then we we built on that in, into you know how to how to be a blessing and encouragement to each other. And uh, one of the things we did with that was we actually we had we got small strips of paper. Uh, that would easily fold up and tuck into a wallet. And we wrote each student's name at the top of piece of paper and we passed it around the room. And everyone's task was to write something positive about everybody in the class. When they got their sheet of paper, they wrote something positive about it. Um, and I found that sometimes five and six years down the road, well after they'd been out of our class and sometimes out of the youth group, they still had that sheet of paper with mm-hmm. all that positive reinforcement they got from their peers. Uh, and then we spent time talking about, okay, that's how we communicate inside church. What about people that are outside church? How do we reach to somebody uh, in, in in the world and and that needs to find Jesus and find His love? How do we communicate with them in a way that is practical to them and makes sense to them? And so we we really focused on showing love and 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 reaching out. And uh, we we actually role played it in class. Said, okay, this is this is a, one of your friends at school. This is a scenario of their life. How do you reach for them? and just, just let them role-playing and, and go back and forth. And, and, uh, you know, there, there, there's emotional reactions to some of that kids, kids crying as the light bulbs came on. Hey, I can, I can actually reach my friends. It was a really powerful moment awesome. for us.
2: That's great. I love, I love that line that you, a couple of those lines in your, in your lesson today about going from foundational to practical and then going from what they need to know to what they need to do. And I think that's where, what you're just now talking about, illustrations and, and not just a story, but putting them right in the middle of what we just talked about. And I think that's what, I think that's really the key, what you were talking about here, of what can take curriculum from just what you called sermonizing and teaching to actually engaging students. And that's really what teaching should do. And uh, we just really appreciate you, Michael, taking the time today to uh, share these thoughts with us. Thank you so much for all your efforts and um, thankful for these practical tips. We are going to uh, turn the remainder of this podcast over to our Director of Promotion, Brother Michael Thomas. He's gonna talk to us about a few upcoming things and then close this out in prayer. But once again, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with our youth workers. They're gonna be able to listen and glean from this from years to come. Thank you.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Brother Reinke. And thank you all for tuning in today for our monthly youth ministry podcast, where we try to equip you as a youth worker with all the tools and resources necessary to make you a success in youth ministry. Before we close this call, I want to remind you that afterburner tickets for North American Youth Congress is still available on the North American Youth Congress website. If you have not bought your afterburner tickets, be sure to do so soon. Ticket sales are going very fast, and we want to make sure you and your youth group have an enjoyable time after the North American Youth Congress service on Friday night. Now, let's close this call with prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what we have heard today. I pray, God, that the information that we've heard would find application in our life. I pray, God, for every youth worker and every young adult leaders that may have tuned into this podcast, that you would strengthen and encourage them, Lord, as they endeavor to lead young people closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Youth Ministry Podcast. Have a blessed day.